This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Uh, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends over at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Now, we've got a lot of different topics we're going get, to get into in today's show. And joining us to do that each and every week, as he does from here on out until the end of time, is none other than Rockets beat reporter for The Athletic, Biggie Velvet himself, Kelly Eco. What's up, Kelly? Yo, How I'm back. Yeah, I can't get rid of me, man. I'm here. I know. Yeah. We're, st- we're stuck with him. Y'all, y'all better like Kelly because, you know, oh, yeah, we're stuck sure. with him moving forward. Yeah. But at Kelly, I got to ask you because I, you know, We've done a couple pods now, and I, I meant to ask you when I got you pulled on during training camp. You got to tell us where where Biggie Velvet came from. What's up with uh, that? You nickname? want the backstory? Okay. I want the backstory on it. Before we get into any rocket stuff today, where's the backstory on Biggie uh, Velvet? So, I think it was two seasons ago. Um, I was doing an NBA TV hit, and um, it was with Dennis Scott. Um, for who else? I think it was Carlos Boozer. I, I believe so. Um, after the the segment. Dennis Scott was like, you know who you sound like? You sound like Biggie Smalls a little bit. <laughs> and, and he was talking about my voice, like my, like, I guess how I sound. And I thought that was funny as hell. And, and it kind of caught on. And after the segment, there was like, I think we have a new name for you. And that's Biggie Velvet. And everyone <laughs> said, just bust out in the laughter. And then, and then I was at, I think I was at Oracle Arena that day. And Andre Iguodala came out of the locker room. I guess the TV was on in the Warriors locker room. He was like, what's up, Biggie Velvet? And so from then, it just caught on. And everyone just called me that, like, everywhere I went. And it just was kind of my thing. The one time I had on the Velvet uh, coat, and then that just became my brand. So... I love that. That's absolutely incredible. My main takeaway from this is I need an NBA TV hit so that I can like, you know, so that I can pick up a dope yeah, ass yeah, name like Biggie Velvet. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe one day when I get on your level. Um, all right. So Thank I'm you. glad we got. Great, great gets uh, oh, hey, um, hey, I, I would take it. I would take it. <laughs> All right. I'm glad we got that backstory out the way because I, I wanted the origins of the Biggie Velvet nickname. But Kelly, let's let's dive into this. We are now, you know, a handful of games through this Rockets <laughs> season. Rockets are on a nine game skid. And, right. I, you know, we know this is supposed to be a developmental season. And we're going to talk about some of the development or potentially lack thereof that we've seen so far this season. But before we get there, just, you know, what is your give me your biggest takeaway from the first <clears throat> 11 or so games of this season? Um, there's a lack of focus. Um, that's kind of been the biggest takeaway in all these games. We've lost, what, nine in a row? 
And it's not like they've been getting blown out in any of these games. They're competitive the first half, first, what, 30, 35 minutes or so. And then there's like a five or six minute stretch where everything falls apart and they spend the rest of the game trying to get back into those contests. And at this level, yes, this is a young team. Yes, they're going to be competitive and they're going to, you know, put teams on edge at times. But to win this league, you have to put on a complete performance for 48 minutes. It's just how it is. This league is too competitive, too too good, too many good teams out there for you to kind of slack off and think you can kind of wing at the end. This is not the team of old where you, you had a James Harden or Chris Paul to build you out. This is a young team trying to learn on the fly, you know, trying to develop in season. It's very hard to do. You know, development typically takes place in the off season, it takes place in the summer. Trying to develop during the season, that's kind of hard because there's not a lot of practice time really. There's, the games are kind of like your practice time. And, you know, for this young team trying to get through that, you know, you kind of see the, the third quarters, the, the end of the game collapses, the lack of attention to detail, you know, final possessions, stuff like that, it just happens. And then you find yourself one and 10, you know, in the league where it's kind of hard to catch up once you're that far behind the eight ball. But, you know, some of that is to be expected because there are young teams going through the, those motions, but a lot of stuff isn't, you know, you should be able to clean up certain mistakes Steven Silas has talked a lot about, you know, just the focus and attention to detail, doing stuff in the morning and carrying over to nighttime has been an issue with these young teams. So, you know, that's kind of been my biggest takeaway. I'm glad uh, it feels like we've got a little bit of like cohesion here. It just, we're just already, you know, vibing on 100 Kelly, because that's kind of basically where I come away too is, you know, what I have written down on my notes over here is, you know, I come away thinking this team, has shown an incredible amount of talent already, right? They've played up to the level of competition, but they've also kind of played down to the level of some of their competition. They've shown, you know, spurts of talent, but they have not been, they're not disciplined. They're not focused, like you said. Um, So I'm glad you highlighted that because I think that's definitely something that we've seen with the free throw shooting, the turnovers, which some of these are to be expected with them being such a young team. But at the same time, you know, do you think that that's, uh, do you think the catalyst behind that is because of like their youth or do you think it's uh, a little bit of coaching? Where do you think some of these issues are stemming from at their core? Uh, I think it's primarily the youth. Whenever you mix, I don't think they have an identity yet. And when you don't have an identity, you tend to have these kind of you know collapses. Um, this is a team that has a lot of young players, but they also have established veterans that, are still heavily involved in the rotation. You know, you have to pick a side. I think if you're going to go all on development, go all on development. But it's hard for coaches to have to do that because coaches want to win games. So it's it's incredibly hard to tell a coaching staff play all these young guys at the same time, forget the record. You can't do that. So that's what leads you to playing David Nava, playing Eric Gordon, you know, playing Daniel Tyus, those guys. You want DJ Augustine, and you try to mix that with you know. Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Jayshon Tate, Kenny Martin Jr., you know, Alperin Shangun. You're trying to mix and match. And I think that lack of identity is is probably the biggest thing. It's not it's not coaching because those are high-level coaches. It's not part of it is youth, but it's more it's more so identity. Um this team hasn't found their identity 10 games, 11 games into the season. Um, which is not that it's kind of surprising, but it's also not because, you know, you look around the league, even Detroit that came in last night, you can see what their identity is. Like, they, they know what they're trying to do. 
yes, they're two and two and nine, but you can see how they play that game that they know what they want to do at all times. The Rockets, you know, they 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 talk a good game, but they've yet to show that on a consistent basis. So until they do that, these kind of losses will keep happening. Speaking of the Detroit Pistons, want to talk about that little bit of a, a you know, marquee matchup between Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, as well as uh, Jalen Green's kind of development to this point, how he's being utilized by the Rockets. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at McDonald's. Today's episode of Locked on Rockets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to refuel and recharge. It's the place you always look forward to at stopping by on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel, reconnect, all that good stuff stuff. Look, I can't drive past McDonald's without immediately craving some chicken nuggets or like a spicy chicken sandwich or when I'm really hungry, right? Get me a Texas home style burger, extra mustard, extra onions, extra pickles, large fry, Dr. Pepper to wash it all down with. You know, it's got my mouth watering right now. Just thinking about it. Big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. And another message from our friends over at betonline.ag because BetOnline is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to their new website and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. 50%. 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, promo code locked on to receive your bonus. That's L O C K E D O N for a 50% bonus on your very first deposit. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Continuing our conversation with Rockets beat reporter for The Athletic, Kelly Eco, as we do each and every week. But based on Kelly's first segment and his backstory on the Biggie Velvet nickname, I have updated our background graphic on the fly. So now he is Biggie Velvet for the rest of this show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. If you are on YouTube, then you can see the Biggie Velvet tag under yeah. Kelly's camera. So that's what we're rolling with for the rest of the show. Now, Kelly, now that we got you sufficiently hyped up for this segment, let, let's let's talk about this Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham matchup. What did you see going on on the court between these two guys? And we've got to talk about the big moment, the the monstrous dunk from Jalen. And frankly, we got to talk about this. Is it is it a budding rivalry? Is Jalen trying to make it something it's not? Yes, it is. No, it's a rivalry. Like, yes, you could tell. Go back to summer league. You could tell Cade wants to stick it to Jalen because he heard all the talking about how Jalen wanted to be the number one pick. He heard everything about Detroit, and I don't care if Cade, you know, acts like he doesn't bother him. It might, it might not bother him, but it's still going to be a rivalry. It doesn't matter if Jalen is the one doing all the talking right now. Cade is the, the rivalry is still on the court too. Whether you're talking or not, it's an exciting game. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from that first matchup, and I actually caught up with, with Jalen uh, after the game, and because this is going to be something that, you know, it's going to be the next 15 years. They're always going to be connected because of, you know, going one and two. 
and I, I kind of asked him what was his biggest takeaway like from the whole thing and he said it was a good experience like this is this is fun this is what he loves to do this is competing at the highest level with someone that obviously he has respect for but still wants to beat him any chance he gets and they called it a learning experience um you know being a rookie every game is going to be a learning experience as he said um but this game in particular was a good one for him because it showed him you know kind of the difference uh, and how teams can approach things and stuff like that so uh, it was an exciting game i think Jalen green showed a kind of poise um how he handled the game from an offensive standpoint um he kind of was aggressive early on which kind of was expected he wanted to to come out a national TV game, get the crowd going, get the guys going. I think the Rockets' problem sometimes, and we'll see during games, is that Jenny Green is not on the ball enough. Whereas, you know, you see whenever he's going downhill, and Christian would tell them after the game, that they, they love it because it makes them that much more dangerous. But when he's staying on the wing, not touching the ball, and then getting in with like five on the shot clock, you know, that's not efficient it's not it's a broken play steven Silas called it a broken place um they have certain things they want to do certain actions they want to go to <clears throat> but the rockets need to do a better job of putting him more on the ball in those situations and letting him dictate what the defense does um but from that from that first pistons rocket showdown um i think he had a good game where he was 23 23 yeah. and five something like that um pretty good shooting I think where he, he messed up was after, you know, the trash talk, dang, you know, wasn't as involved and they won that big run and then they never caught the lead again. So, but it was exciting from, a, from I guess, I guess, an entertainment standpoint. You see two, two young guys going at it. Cade is as cool as an ice cube, baby. That guy, that guy is something else, man. And, and even if he doesn't turn out to be a superstar, he's always going to be an extremely high-level player. Um, I just think that to be a superstar, you, you kind of need that mean streak. You kind of need that edge, like the whole, you know, in your face, yeah, stuff like that. And kids kind of too cool for school. So I don't know about that, but um, it was a good game. You know, I, I think one of the things that I immediately thought of, because it, it felt like everyone, it felt like a lot of people were trying to give Jalen Green, you know, a lot of grief for, you know, trying to hype himself up in this game, you know, with the, oh, with the, the monster dunk on Cade and then, and then, you know, talk is smack and everything. But it, it kind of reminded me of, you, you saw the last dance, right? Everybody saw the last dance. Yeah. So, you know, that when, when they're telling that story of MJ, how he made up that fake story in his head to get psyched up so, before yeah, going yeah. up against the opposing player. It's like, it's that level of like almost like being a little bit psychotic where he's he's wanting to hype himself up and get fired up for this game so that he can, you know, whatever he's got to do, put his team on his back, get get into the game mentally. And so I don't understand why people are trying to like downplay or or disregard <coughs> what Jalen Green's yeah, it's, doing it's on the a court. Hard world. Yeah, it's just it's just, it's just, it's just a when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it can just be boiled down to uh, the, the Twitter sphere kind of having a take and, and I guess running with it. But an area that I do want to, you know, focus on really quick here is, you know, you talk about Jalen not having the ball in his hands enough. And, you know, especially after that, after that big dunk that he had, he went scoreless the rest of the game. He had four shots in the fourth quarter, but as you alluded to, and as I did in the, in the post game recap, a lot of them were off broken sets, broken plays where he was getting the ball with, you know, five, six seconds left on the clock. Those weren't good attempts. Those were rushed attempts, you know, to try and salvage something at the end of a shot clock. So 
are the Rockets prioritizing Jalen Green enough when it comes to their offensive sets in your mind? Do they need to make him no, more of a focal not. point offensively? No, no, and, and that was why I said earlier um, that to me, I think Houston views developing Kevin Porter to a point guard a bit more important than Jalen Green's development because they think they see that it's an easier job seeing Jalen Green ascend than converting Kevin Porter Jr. to a full-time point guard. So because the job is harder, they have to prioritize that more. And that's why you see, and when you couple that with the fact that Jalen Green is not, by, he's not an aggressive guy by nature, like a ball dominant, give me the ball every time, it's hard. Like even when it went, he went on that run because he's a microwave scorer. When he went on that run, you saw the next five possessions. He was calling for the ball. He was asking for the ball, like visibly asking for the ball, and he wasn't getting it. So, um, I just think that you know they see Kevin Porter Jr.'s development as more important than Jalen Green's right now because Jalen's going to be all right. He's nineteen. He's going to learn. He's, he's already shown that he can score at this level, at a high level. And he hasn't even learned half of the NBA game yet. You know, so once he taps into all of that, the sky is learned for him. But for right now, I think they need to do a better job still of putting him in more favorable situations. You know, you want to put your young guys. This is somebody that you drafted second overall pick. He's earning family $40 million right now, right? This is someone who's going to be the face of your franchise for the next 10, 15 years, if everything goes right. You want to put him in position to succeed from day one. And they have a lot of things to juggle, you know, so it's understandable. You still try to develop, trying to let Kevin uh, Christian Wood play a different position, trying to incorporate Daniel Tice, trying to play fast, trying to have Kevin. It's a lot of moving parts this season. So it's not all about Jalen Green, and that's kind of why you see him sometimes uh, not being prioritized. So it's just, it's a matter of circumstance. Um, the only question is, how long do you think that goes on until you know, this team kind of wakes up and says, we should probably feature our number two guy a little bit more, or get him to be more aggressive? Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with the points you laid out, and I do think that it is, I don't envy Steven Silas for the position that he's being put in, you know, with having to juggle so many different variables with this, right. this current Rockets team, with the veterans, with Jalen Green, with Kevin Porter Jr.'s development, all those different things. And so many of those have overlapping, right? They, they kind of interfere with each other. Right. But even though I still think there's, you know, a very high ceiling on KPJ and that there's a lot of potential there, you know, at its core... KPJ is a reclamation project, right? The Rockets brought him in from Cleveland. Yes, they were high on him. He has a lot of talent, but Jalen Green is a very clear, like the, you know, he's going to be a future superstar in this league. And so to me, even though the task at hand is more difficult with KPJ right now, I think it's, I don't want to call it, it's, it's not like sunk cost fallacy, but like, I think it's a misalloc, a, 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 an inappropriate allocation of resources to say, okay, there's a steeper hill to climb with KPJ's development. So we're going to prioritize putting the ball in his hands more because we think Jalen's going to be okay down the line, regardless of if we give him the reps right now, or if we don't give him the reps, I think that's probably a mistake. Uh, and like you said, it'll be really interesting to see how long this season goes along. And if they ever make that shift to where, okay, now we're going to kind of showcase Jalen green a little bit more yeah. offensively. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's the right thing to do. I don't think it's the right approach at all. Um, I think they should honestly, like, they need to do more aggressive staggering. Uh, I've talked to them about this before. Just like, because you remember the whole Chris Paul, James Harden thing with, I mean, James Russ, like the staggering. Well, they staggered. They they staggered in the Pistons game, and then they ran the offense through Eric Gordon. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it, and 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 you see, and that's what I talk about when you when you're a coaching staff and you get caught up in games. You get caught, and it's the competitive nature of being a coach, right? You want to win the game. You trust Eric Gordon probably more than anybody on this roster because he's been through it all. Um, so when that tends to happen, that's that's this coach coach brain. Like you just gonna do it in the heat of the moment. Go, go do it. Boom. Is it the right thing to do? Probably not. Um Jalen Green shouldn't be your number one priority for anything. Um you know, putting him on, because hell, putting him on the ball makes it easier for other guys. Because if he, if he's already showing the propensity of uh, of handling pick and rolls, you know, making those high level reads, he's already has the scoring touch, and, and the playmaking is also there. It's getting better. That can make things easier for other guys. Like part of Kevin Porter Jr.'s development shouldn't only just be on the ball. I can also learn to be, you know, off the ball too. So. I think it's 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 a catch twenty two. Like they have to, and it's hard for Steven Silas because, like you said, he's in he's in between a rock and a hard place in, in terms of that. Because, for example, Christian Wood of the game, he was complaining about not being involved. Like that's another thing you got to deal with as a coach. On top of developing these young guys, you got to deal with satisfying your 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 big man um, that you gave forty five million dollars. So like, it's it's a whole lot of stuff he has to deal with all the time. And I think um, when you combine all that pressure with being in charge of a rebuild and this being the official start of a rebuild, it's tough. And, um, but I don't know. I don't know how you get out of it. Honestly, it's 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 a, I'm not envious of it at all. That's that's a that's a that's a crapshoot. <laughs> Coming up, I, I want to dive into, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Rockets offense so far this season, as well as we've got some, we've got to hit on some, a little bit of John Wall news here coming up. Uh, so nothing, nothing major, um, nothing new on the trade front, but a little bit of news coming out of his agent, Rich Paul, and, and how that, you know, reflects on the Rockets organization. We'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Who doesn't love Thanksgiving? I Look, I know I do. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year. All the great food, all the great treats, and there's so many different options, so much variety, right? But maybe you want like a delicious, awesome dessert that isn't just absolutely chock full of sugar and calories, right? It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is your new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice, just one slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. And that's usually on like the low end, right? Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and they've got tons of protein. Look, the thing about Built Bar, right? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Built Bars are basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. They're low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Amazing if you're trying to lose weight. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. It's a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two, right? Maybe you're craving some coconut cream pie, go for a coconut Built Bar. Maybe you want some raspberry stuffing, right? Go for a raspberry Built Bar. You can check them out. Just visit Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bar. So again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Still chatting with the one and only Biggie Velvet. Now, Kelly, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for just a moment. Is there such a thing as maybe like if the Rockets were to just, you know, go go full tilt with it and just give give Jalen the ball every possession? Like, is that is there maybe a little bit of an, an idea that Steven Silas wants Jalen to play within the confines of of the offense and not basically just say, all right, you're our star guy. We're just going to give you the ball, let you do whatever you want with it. Right. Or do you think, yeah, do you think Steven there's no Sal- such yeah. thing as a, too Steven much? Sal- well, Steven Silas doesn't seem to me to be that kind of coach. Um, when you hear him talk and you're in those press conferences too, he talks about bringing the collective group and making them better, making them better professionals. Part of being a pro is understanding that you're not going to get the ball every time. You have to learn to impact the game in other ways. Um, his defense still needs work. He's still, you know, Kevin Porter's defense, you know, it's, it's improved and it's getting more trust from coach. Um, but the handling still needs work. There are moving parts for everyone to get better at that they talk about on a daily basis. So while it sounds good in theory to just have Jalen handle the ball all the time, you still have Kevin Porter Jr. there. And it's important because you're not playing John Wall. DJ Oxen is not the long-term option. There are no other options on the roster right now. And you're already in the beginning of the stage of a rebuild. You don't want to go into year two of a rebuild not having a point guard in place. So this is why they're so desperate to make this work now because they really have no other option unless you're bringing in you know, a free agent. But who wants to come to Houston right now? It's, it's hard. So that's kind of why I think they're so all in on Kevin because they have to believe in him. They, they literally, this is what they, they brought him in. They play with him, with, with John for a little bit. Now John is out the picture. It's all Kevin now. And if they can get that right, it's a shrewd move. But if you get it right, it makes everything easier. Because, because if Kevin can turn into that guy, and it might take a year, it might take more. It might never happen. You know, who knows? But in theory, if you, if you can make him a serviceable point guard, a 15 and 6 guy, then it allows Jalen to play his game comfortably because you understand that you can stagger those guys still and still have an efficient offense on the floor. It might be a two different tails because Jalen is more aggressive, or Kevin is more aggressive, and Jalen can more of the savvy scorer type. But if you can help Kevin get to that level, it brings the collective bar up. So that's why I think it's so. But giving Jalen the ball every time, obviously that would look great. You, know, you get to see him go faster, but he's not the only guy that they got to worry about. So that's kind of why I see the, the, the problem is for Houston. It's, it's definitely a tough balancing act. And I, I can appreciate the long-term vision of wanting to make sure that KPJ and Jalen develop kind of side by side as opposed to just throwing all the eggs in the Jalen green basket and leaving KPJ in the dust. Um, So from that standpoint, I can respect the, the decision to kind of spread the love around. Now that said, it doesn't mean that Daniel Tice should be getting 10 shot attempts a game. I'm just going to throw that one out there, but (laughs) he's not, he's not averaging 10 a game. I'm just saying there are some nights where where, there's some guys that should be a little bit less involved offensively. And, um, Speaking on that note about the Rockets offense so far this season, has it has it surprised you how how bad they've looked off? Because I thought uh, coming into the season, I thought it was going to be the absolute inverse. I thought they were going to be a dumpster fire defensively and that they were actually going to put up like mid tier to like, you know, 
maybe near top 10 offensive numbers, just looking down the roster on paper. You you know, I thought they were going to have a ton of offensive production, but the offense has been the thing that's tripped them up so much this season. Is that surprising to you? No. Really? No, maybe I don't expect them to be to look this bad offensively because they have talent where they look. They've hung in games. Like, it's not like this been terrible, but it's just – it's not consistent, and that comes down to lack of cohesion. That comes down to because it's hard. Like when you bring these guys through camp and you have them learn all these NBA concepts and have them do it in game against bigger, stronger, better guys, it's hard. You fall, you tend to fall into your old habits. As a young player, what are your old habits? Playing fast, freelancing, trying to make something out of nothing, right? Balance that with. Guys like Christian Wood that want plays. He wants he wants the ball. He wants the high pick roll. He wants the ball 15 to 18 feet face up on the basket. You know, short corners like you have a Dejounte that also needs the ball to make plays for others who also wants to get downhill. It's hard. If you ever watch them play, sometimes they're pointing at where to go, and there's no one knows really where to go, and they're trying. The spacing is bad. Part of that is the lineup, the Tice Wood lineup. I don't think it's going to be a long term thing because it's just clogging the area, you know. And a lot of that is is just I, I understand why they why they're doing it now, but I don't think it's going to work long term. Um, and when you're one in ten, one you need to make like something should change. You should try something different. Um, opening up the floor, I think, would make things easier. But a lot of that problem is. Who are you opening the floor for? You know, the spacing, who are you going to put in there? Like, ideally, you know, House, but he's been up and down with his play this season. So it's like, there's a lot of issues with this team. And and when you have this many issues... There's not a quick fix. There's not there's not like, like one, uh, one right, fix-all solution. Not what, yeah, exactly. There's not one fix-all solution. There's going to be, something's going to be wrong. You fix this, something. You know what I'm saying? So I, just, I don't know. But the offense... I just think if they play faster, they play better. You know, the numbers support that. Um, when they, but they don't get enough stops on a consistent basis to, to play that fast. And when they do get down the court and they, they set up to their old habits, you know, holding the ball too long, not moving it from side to side, just looking, trying to find the mismatch right away instead of, you know, running a play. Or, you know, every play doesn't have to be 15, 20 seconds out of the shot clock. You know, they're, they're quick reads. That's why they have these in, in-brown sets. You know, you go to A, if B's not working, go to C. Still going to go to D. Um, so there's a number of reasons why. Well, the offensive struggles have definitely made this team a little bit harder to watch, unfortunately, than than many would have hoped, at least throughout the early part of the season. Because, again, nobody expected this team to be, you know, racking up wins. Uh, if anything, at least every time the Rockets lose, you can go look at uh, Paolo highlights or, or Chet highlights and just, you know, be excited for the draft for this upcoming season. Uh, but that said, let, let's dive in. We got one more little piece that I want to talk about here with you, Kelly, and that's this little bit of news with John Wall, and it's not even directly about John Wall. It's more so his agent, Rich Paul, highlighting the John Wall situation here in Houston. So obviously, there's the ongoing situation with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, and Rich Paul, you know, kind of using the John Wall situation to highlight what's going on or drawing a parallel to what's going on with Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. And Rich Paul said as much. He said, 
John is able to play, but Houston is okay using the collective bargaining agreement to pay him not to play. So which way is it? John is perfectly healthy and ready to play, and it's okay in the CBA. We're being professional with both instances, talking about the Rockets and the 76ers. But how can it go both ways? John and the Rockets have been professional about their situation. We are also expecting the same with the 76ers. Kelly, first off, I, I think it's a little, I think it's a little strange that Rich Paul is trying to draw, you know, parallels between the John Wall Ben Simmons situation. But you know, even more important than that, at least from a Rockets perspective and through a Rockets lens, can this be viewed as like a positive thing that Rich Paul is actually speaking, you know, talking about the Rockets situation? as a positive thing as far as it's, you know, concerned with John wall, because I know that there was maybe a little, little bit of a period of time where we thought, okay, well, how long is this situation going to last for? Do we think like this is going to be an entire season thing or is John cool with sitting out? And it sounds like at least right now, everybody's on the same page from the rockets to rich Paul to John wall. And it seems like that's been a consistent factor. (laughs) I know you still want John Wall to play. So, I mean, that, like, if, if you yeah. want to double down on that take right now, you can do it. I'm not going to stop you. No, no. I mean, it makes sense. Like, what, what Rich Paul said, it kind of was strange. But I think he was trying to make the point that the Rockets, there's no confusion there. I think that's what he wants to say. I compare it to the faith switch where the same things every day, you know, no one's on the same page over there. The Rockets at least know that, you know, they're going to keep John out and they want to focus on the young guys. Is it the right thing? Of course not. But, you know, what can you do? This is something that, this is more of a business decision. Like, because, be real, there's no way you can be John Wall making $47 million. You come and practice every day. You, you get in here and there. And on game days, the thing you, the game you love the most, the game you worked your whole life for, and you're healthy and you're not playing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think, I don't think if they asked John to play, what well, he would say no. I do not think that. Like, first of all, it's not a unanimous decision to have him not play. Let's start that, for starters. But um, it's just strange to me. But I do see what Rich Paul was saying in terms of the Rockets are okay with paying him that money to have him not, if that means developing those guys. But one in 10. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't know if you have someone that can produce like that and your problems are offensive and cohesion and getting guys organized, there's someone that can do that on your roster who's wearing very expensive jumpers. <laughs> And, and, Very expensive street clothes, man. And it looks fantastic. <laughs> right. We need, we, need, we need John Wall on league fits <laughs> if he hasn't been yet this season. But, but it, w- it would be better served having him between the lines. Like, there's no better development than playing alongside a veteran guy that knows what he's doing. I know, we talk, so I, I know you talked yeah. about – you talked about – John Wall helping Jalen Green's development. Do you think he would also be able to still help Kevin Porter Jr.'s development, even though we yes. we just talked about the fact that they're going all in on the KPJ as the point guard basket? You don't think that'd be detrimental if John Wall were to suddenly be injected back in the rotation? Obviously, he has to start. Like, it, you know, you can work something out there. Like, Kevin, I'm sure, the problem is, I'm pretty sure Kevin doesn't want that. You know? You go back to last season, What's your time on? 
Crystal Wood loved playing with James, right? He looked fantastic playing with James. Remember that little that little spark? Mm-hmm. Was crazy. It was okay with John. It wasn't, you know, but those are two different kinds of playmakers. Kevin wants to be that guy. Kevin said he needs the ball in his hands. If John's on the floor, John definitely needs the ball in his hands. It doesn't sound like Kevin wants to play off the ball that much. You know, he wants to be trusted as the point guard. So, from that perspective, you can't bring Kevin in and then, you know what I'm saying? That's why I see why John's not playing. It's not for, it's not, it's more about, and that's why I said everything's about Kevin. Because if it was just about Jalen, they wouldn't care. They would have John on the floor. But John might get in the way of Kevin's development. And, and, and the perspective of if you turn Kevin, if you want, if you have John on the floor with Kevin, Kevin's more of a wing creator than an on ball lead ball handler, which is kind of not what they want him to do because John is not going to be there long term. So I understand from that perspective. It's still weird because he's there and we, they're losing and he's a veteran. But again, guys are stuck between the rock and a hard place. It's it's a hard thing to navigate. And the Rockets are okay with paying him that money and having him not play because, look, what was it? There were a few calls around training camp, just like normal NBA teams talking, but there was nothing concrete. It was just, just chatting, right? But which team right now, which good, first of all, which young team? No no young team wants Sean Wall right now. Let's, let's yeah. keep that clear. It's too much money. Which good team wants Sean Wall? Philly, maybe, but that's going to be a domino effect. You know, like I could see them getting John if they were able to do a deal, but Ben wouldn't be going to the Rockets. The Rockets would be a third team. Facilitating yeah. a deal, um, because they don't want Ben Simmons. Point blank, they do not want Ben Simmons. Um, but you know, outside of Philly, where else could you see? What other team is out there that says we want John Wall right now? Maybe when his deal is expiring next year, then you can take a swing at it. If you're, if you're a Clippers team, why not? When Kawhi comes back, why not? You can't have to try. But right now, I don't see what the market is for him. And that's why I think the Rockets are comfortable eating that money right now, swallowing it, and just saying, you know, screw it. We'll, we'll take care of you in the offseason. So it's, it's hard to just be a lot of different storylines converging for this Rockets team this season. But as always, we're going to keep you up to date with them here at Locked on Rockets. Kelly, what do you have cooking up with uh, for us uh, over <laughs> your ecosystem? What you got going on? First of all, before I do that, I need to ask a question. Oh, oh. Why? Why did they make that "Light the Fuse" song? That song is awful. That song is not. I'm sorry. Whenever, whenever we saw the video, the hype, oh wait, I for, I forgot. D House isn't featured on the song. Never mind. I was worried my podcast numbers were going to dip. Anyways, all right, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> now, I look. I don't think. Look, I I will be completely honest. I like the song. It's just overplayed to hell in Toyota center. Like if you're at Toyota center, I remember the the first (laughs) home game. Now I remember the first home game, Adam Spolin was right next to me and I was like, 
And we were talking about it and, you know, talking about the fact that, all right, they're going to, they're going to play it during what they play it during like the pregame hypes, you know, just leading up to, you know, fans are trickling in the stadium. They play it during when the players run out the tunnel, they play it right as soon as the first tip happens. Like they play it right after the first, the, the tip off. So, I mean, it's yeah. just, they're playing it so much. They're like bludgeoning you over the head with it over and over and over. So I like it. It's a bit cheesy. I'll give them that. It's, it's a cheesy song, but it's okay. We don't have to agree on this one, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I got some stuff cooking. I got um, an exclusive with Christian Wood that I haven't done. It's coming. I still have the Brotherhood piece with Kevin and Jalen coming. Um, I have something with a coach on Houston's offense uh, coming. Uh, those are the big three things coming, and I still have the house to work on. So. A lot of stuff coming between now and the end of the year. So just stay tuned. Um, hopefully, you know, if they win, they get I get better content, you know, typically. So, <laughs> hey, um, man, I'm, I'm right there with exactly. you. When they when they win, people listen to the show more. So I'm like, exactly. there we when, go. When, no one wants to go read the article when they, when they won in 11, you know, why they lost. So. We out, we out here, but we out here both struggling for content just a little bit. But <laughs> we we make it. We're making, making the most of what we got yeah, so I'm far. Making some, making some shake, man. All right, Kelly. As always, it's amazing being able to talk hoops with you. Uh, any any yeah. last words from Biggie Velvet for the listeners? Stop playing like the fuse, man, and I'll be and I'll be satisfied. That's all I got to say to y'all. Have a good night. Be blessed, <laughs> and come on to the game. All right, that's Eco's parting message for today's episode. As always, hope you enjoyed the show. Appreciate you tuning in and checking us out. If you haven't done so, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Make Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Also available on YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are so close to breaking 3,000 subscriptions. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.